Well, I've been looking forward to today, and uh, there are lots of reasons, but one of the unexpected blessings to me was Jonathan, you and Bree leading us in that song, Jesus Has Paid the Ransom. And that's really why we're here today, we be, because we believe Jesus is making us well. When I began planning this series on the miracles of Jesus, one of the miracles I wanted to talk about is in, found in John chapter 5, and we're going to look at that. You just heard the scripture reading from John chapter 5. There's a Bible in front of you, and I encourage you to find that. But as I read this story in John chapter 5, which I always assumed was the story of a crippled man being made well, one of the members of our church came to my mind. She is a young woman in her early 40s. She was born with the most severe type of spinal bifida you can be born with, and she has never walked. In fact, she has no feeling in her lower body. And she has suffered greatly, over 17 surgeries during her life. She spent the last 17 months up on Fair Oaks in a bed in a very mediocre convalescent center. And her name is Sarah, and she is one of the favored people of First Baptist Church, at least for me, if we can have favorites. And I often see Sarah and uh, visit with her, read scripture with her. She is a shining light in that place. So I went to Sarah and I said, Sarah, I'd like to talk to you. I'm preaching about a man who was crippled and was made to walk. And uh, you've come to faith as an adult in Christ, but Christ has never made you able to walk. How do you read the miracles? How do you think about this? And so Sarah kindly agreed to an interview. And Ted and I went up there and interviewed her a few weeks ago. And this is about uh, 10% of the interview. We can't show it all to you today, but let's take a look at Sarah's interview. Please uh, listen to me about one, one woman talking about God in her life. Birth itself was a big surprise um, to my parents. Um, nobody knew, neither my parents nor the doctors, that I would have a very serious birth defect. And um, the whole situation hit my parents very hard. And the doctor told them that they should give me up. Um, which, which they did. Uh, they, he told them that I probably was not going to live anyway. Mm. Um, spine bifida is a very serious condition. And there are a number of different complications that can come from it, depending on where on the spinal cord it happens, how high up. Um, and the, the type, there are three different types. I have the most severe form, mm. which is called myelomeningocele spinal bifida. Mm. Um, and a lot of children didn't live back then that had it. Um, a lot of children, even you know, years later that were being born, didn't didn't live. Um, so I was put up to um, to go to a foster home. It was thought that probably I was not eligible for adoption. Probably nobody would try to adopt anybody with with such a severe condition. But I was able to go on from there, go on to regular public high school and then go on to USC, so I didn't live with that family anymore, I lived on campus. I just met all of these people, um, mostly through, through Elizabeth, this girl that I had met at first, through her parents. And I started going to church a few times with Lydia, and I went to an university meeting or two with, with Emily, and I just, started hearing things about God that I just had never known, had never imagined. And this girl, Lydia, really uh, discipled me. Mm -hmm. 
I, I had never heard of anything like quiet times. I didn't know the importance of really studying the Bible, although I had read it a few times, a little bit. And she just taught me so many things. I don't understand all of it, and I won't understand all of it until we're all in our, our eternal home with Him. Um, but I'm realizing, too, that there's also an effect on, on other people. It's not just about what He's doing in my life. Most of my family are not believers, but yet they can watch my life. They can see God working, even though I'm a sinner. They can see God sustaining me. I think it's easier for him to teach me maybe about my sinfulness and my selfishness when I'm in a restrictive situation like this. Because I don't think he could teach me as much if I was just in a situation just to get up and, and be free to do whatever I wanted to do. Who I was when I was 19, you know, the day before I met Jesus, you, you know, I didn't have any concern that anybody else... I didn't know whether or not I was going to heaven, but I certainly didn't have any concern whether or not anybody else was going. I didn't, um, I was very wrapped up in my own problems, and I certainly wouldn't have used a hospital stay to minister to somebody else. I mean, that's God. Because as believers, we always know that we're to minister to others. And some people minister to others in such difficult situations. They're far more difficult than being in the hospital or being ill. And I do wish, you know, that, that he would heal. I mean, naturally, I, I wish that, and I get angry, and I get frustrated about it. But I'm learning now, and the closer I get to him, the more I learn that, that there's more I need to learn. That there's so much to teach me that really couldn't be done any other way. So the important thing is that I glorify God. Not that I get my own way. That's just, I'm still learning it and I'll always be learning, but that's a huge difference. Looking up in down times. I hope you caught it when Sarah said, There's so much to teach me that I couldn't learn in any other way. Wow. As I said, we have been going through some of the miracles of Jesus. We're in the Gospel of John today. And it is our determination, even in this recession, depression, whatever you might call it, to be looking up in down times. And in your worship folder, there are some notes. I hope you'll turn there and follow along with me as we go through the scripture today. I want to talk to you about wellness. And when I say the word wellness, I mean soundness, wholeness, completeness. In the Gospel of John, John likes to write, and he's, some would call him a poet, he likes to write with contrast. And so, in the Gospel of John, he talks about light and darkness. He talks about extremes. Jesus is man. Jesus is God. He talks about thirst and quenching your thirst. And he doesn't have a lot of miracles from Jesus in this Gospel, but he does have some miracles, and he calls them signs. And so when John offers up a miracle, it's a whole lot more than just a story about someone getting well. There are other things to be learned from that story. And this morning, one of the stories in John that is a miracle story is in John chapter 5. And as you open to John chapter 5 and look at the beginning verses there, you see that Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's not actually in the city. He's probably outside the city. 
As you saw in the video, there's a, a pool there. There's some water there. It seems to bubble up. And in fact, some versions that you may read say an angel came to trouble the waters. Probably there was a spring there that moved the water, and it was thought by people that if you could get in the water at just the right time, you would be healed. Even today, we have lots of places around the country, around the world, where people think, I can go there to be healed. And such was this place in Jerusalem. Jesus comes on this scene. Now, it's interesting to me that as Jesus comes on this scene, there are lots of sick people there. You read that down in verses 3 and 4. Verse 4 says, A great number of people who were disabled used to lie there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And all these people are there, but Jesus focuses in on one particular man. And the scripture says in verse 5, this man had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, this is the today's new international version that you have in the pew, the NIV Bible. And I want to focus for just a minute on that word invalid. I've always thought this man was crippled, and he may have been. But actually, the Bible literally doesn't say that he couldn't walk. The word invalid, which the TNIV translates that way, is simply the word that says weak. He was a weak person or a sick person. And I'll say more about that word in just a moment. But uh, in verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw him lying there, this invalid or this weak person, when Jesus saw him lying there, he asked him a question. And I think this is one of the most amazing questions in all of Jesus' teaching. What did he ask him? Do you want to get well? And that's the question I have for you today. If you said, Steve, I've got to rush off. There's an emergency. I can't stay. But what's the message about? I would say to you, the message is about one question. Do you want to get well? That's the message. Do you want to get well? Now, as you think about that, I want to talk to you about several things that come out of this story. And the first one is wellness requires a decision. Wellness requires of you a decision. Jesus came up to this guy. It seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Jesus came up to this guy and said, do you want to get well? Do you want to be cured? Do you want to be healed? And the word is, is, do you want to be sound? Do you want to be whole? The Bible in Hebrew has a rich word called shalom. It means wellness. It doesn't just mean peace. It means wholeness, wellness, completeness. completeness. Do you want to be well, whole, full? Would you like that? Now, I want to pause because you may think the answer is always yes, but it's not, is it? There are lots of folks around who wouldn't say it maybe out loud, but when the doctor says, do you want to be well? Well, here's what you need to do. And they say, "Uh, you know, I think I'm okay the way I am. Now, they won't tell the doctor that, but you know that by the way they continue to live their life. This man could have said, You know, I kind of like it here. I mean, I can shake my cup and people put a few coins in. There's some kind folks that bring me lunch now and then, and I don't have to get up and go to work. You know, it's it's a bummer. I can't do everything I want to do, but, you know, it's not a bad life. I'm sort of used to it. This is just kind of what? How I am. So do you want to get well? Uh, I'm okay. He could have said that. Now, he didn't, so we're going to move on in the story. But I lift that up because as I ask us the question today, I think it's a very serious question. Do you really want to be well? And how you answer that question determines whether or not you'll get well. And so wellness is a decision. Now, a little more on this word about this man's weakness. Um, If you say, yes, I want to be made well, what does that imply? It implies you're sick. That's right. 
It implies you're not well. So in a sense, if you say, yes, I'd like to be made well, it's kind of an admission that you're not well. I'm not healthy. I'm not all I could be. I don't have completeness. Am I right? That's, that's correct. And so if you say yes, you have to, it's, in a sense, it's a confession that you're not well. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about the human condition. And I'm just going to give you a couple suggestions here. I'm in the book of Isaiah. The prophet is speaking in chapter 1 to the people of God, the best people, God's chosen people. And here's what the Lord says. The prophet says, Hear me, you heavens. Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Now, what does the Lord say? I reared up children and brought them up. How many of you have raised children? Yeah, a lot of us. You've raised children or grandchildren. Yeah. Okay, God says, I've reared up children, I've brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey knows its manger, but Israel does not know, my people do not understand. And the whole chapter goes on and on, talking about God's own children as rebellious people. So if you have rebellious kids, don't feel special. So does God. Now the question is, do you want to be made well? What does the Bible say about the human condition? Over in the New Testament, Paul says there are how many that are righteous? There's no one righteous. No one righteous. The answer is zero. There are none righteous. No, not one. He says in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you want to be made well? I'm okay. I'm not sick, actually. Well, <laughs> the Bible says the human condition, there is a brokenness. You can go back and read chapter 3 of Genesis, the beginning. There's a brokenness in our lives. So when Jesus asks this man, do you want to be made well? If you say, yes, I want to be made well, it's, the, it's, a, it's a confession of a sense that there's something wrong with me and I need help. And this morning as I ask you the question, are you willing to admit there's something wrong with you? You're broke and you need to be fixed. You're sinful and you need to be forgiven. There is something wrong. Now, I looked up this word in verse 5. I was kind of fascinated. He says... Uh, he had been an invalid or he had been weak for many years. And Paul uses this same word in the book of Romans. Do you realize that when you are down and out and really struggling and you're broken, you're sick, you're weak, do you realize that God the Holy Spirit prays for you? That's kind of nice, isn't it? Listen to what Romans 8.26 says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Same word used here of the invalid. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses because we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit prays for us with words that cannot be expressed. Also, do you remember the story? If you know Scripture, you know this story. The Apostle Paul had something wrong with him, physically wrong. He was sick. He couldn't see. We're not sure what it was. Most think there was something wrong with his eyes. So Paul said, I begged God. I prayed God. Heal me. Help me. What did God say? Not going to do it. He said, I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to change this physical affirmity. Now, I talked to Sarah, and you heard her say, you know, I think if God healed me, I might go off and live my life and not pay attention anymore, and I wouldn't learn the lessons I need to learn. I thought, wow, wow. That's a heavy statement. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Same word used of this sick man. Therefore, Paul says, I'll boast the more gladly in my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. Wow. So, as I ask you the question, 
do you want to be made well, it begins with a decision. Because you're not going to get well if you don't want to be well. It's just a fact. Now, it not only begins with a decision, but it continues by doing. Let's look back to the Scripture. In verse 7, um, it's, the invalid replies to Jesus, and he says, Sir, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Now, it's interesting to read the Bible students and scholars about this man. It's hard to figure out his, to psychoanalyze him, and I'm not much into that, but it's hard to figure out what kind of guy was this. And as you read verse 7, he says, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I'd like to be well, but, you know, I try to get in the pool to get well, but I can't get in because somebody's faster than me. What's it sound like to you? Kind of sounds like an excuse. Now, I don't want to judge somebody who's weak because I'm also weak, but it does sound like this guy's a little bit of a whiner, a little bit weak. He, you know, he kind of raises this up. Jesus doesn't, it's an odd response by Jesus. He doesn't really say much to the guy. He doesn't deal with that word from the man, excuse or not. He says, what? Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Just get up. Which leads me to say that wellness is a decision. I want to be made well. But it also is an affirmative response to the word of Jesus. What is Jesus telling you to do? Because if you don't do it, you won't get well. Hmm. He had to pick up his mat and walk. Now, I suspect that as Jesus spoke these words, he could feel something change in his body. I think he physically didn't feel weak or crippled anymore. Something happened and he realized... Wow, something powerful is going on. Jesus is doing something. God's doing something. And so he got up for the first time in 38 years, and he walked. Amazing. It's amazing. Wellness begins with a decision. Wellness continues by doing. It continues by doing. Now, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we say, well, you're saved. You're born again. You've become a new person in Christ. But immediately, as you come to faith in Christ, you have to what? Do something. You have to begin to follow Jesus. In fact, I like the term, I'm a Christ follower. And one of the first things Jesus says to do is what? To be baptized. Declaring yourself to be a Christ follower. That's a step of obedience. We just had a great time last Sunday evening in class 101. And next week, we're going to have two people baptized. We'll be in the sanctuary. It's going to be a glorious day as these... People take their step of obedience in Christ. Eddie was teaching a class, class 201, designed to help you understand the habits of a healthy Christian. Healthy Christians do certain things. They read their Bibles regularly. They feed themselves from the Word of God. They pray a lot. They give. They're very generous people. There are certain things healthy Christ followers do. Now, around... The church here, there are all kinds of opportunities you have to grow and become a healthier Christ follower. We're going to be offering in about a month a course called Good Sense. What do you think it's about? Money. It's not about giving to the church. It's about how do you manage your money in ways that God teaches you to manage your money. It's a great season for this, I think, because a lot of folks from the bankers on down haven't managed very well. And there are principles that God gives us in how to manage our money. And if we're going to be a Christ follower and be well, we're going to know how to handle our money. And so there are all kinds of these opportunities. Uh, We want to live out the fruit of the Spirit. In your notes, there's this statement I read in an article recently by Richard Foster. And he says this, Everyone thinks of changing the world, but where, oh where, are those who think of changing themselves? 
And this morning, what we're talking about is how do we change? How are we transformed? And this man was changed. Well, let's continue. Um, Do you want to be made well? It requires a decision saying yes. Do you want to be made well? It requires you doing something, whatever Jesus tells you to do. Take up your mat and walk. And thirdly, change creates conflict. When you come to Christ and you begin to do what Christ says, I'm sorry to say it, but you're going to probably have more trouble instead of less trouble. At least that's what happened in this man's life. Let's follow along in the story. He's well. He gets up his mat and he walks. And oh, by the way, what day was it? It was a Sabbath day, a Saturday, a holy day. The scripture says that once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And on the day it took place, it was a Sabbath. And the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath day. You're forbidden to carry your mat. No good turn goes unpunished. It's been happening for a long time. You say, well, I did somebody good. And I, you know, I, I'm, now I'm suffering because of it. Yeah, well, join the crowd. Now, let's look at this man's life. Um, in verse 10... It says, uh, let's see, verse 10. It says he was in front of the Jewish leaders, the man who had been healed. And I wanted to lift that up because it's the same word we use for therapy. Wiggle your toes if you've ever been in therapy. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, uh, you know, if you've gone to a counselor, if you've been in therapy, this guy, the word for healing here is the word for therapy. It's kind of cool. So this man had, he was receiving therapy from Jesus. His body was well. He could now walk. And he runs into this buzzsaw of religious leaders who are upset about it. I want to give you two illustrations. In Acts chapter 3, there's the story of uh, Peter and John. And now Jesus is back in heaven. He's not around anymore. And Peter and John are going up to to the temple to do what Christ followers do, that is to pray. And as they go up there, there's a blind man. It's almost a repeat of this story. They're not by a pool. They're by the temple. But there's this blind guy, I mean crippled guy, not blind. And he, he wants some help. So he says, can I have some money? And since Peter and John are Baptist preachers, what? They don't have any money. So anyhow, that's what the story says. It doesn't say the Baptist part, but uh, it's fun to throw that in. They don't have any money. Maybe Baptist preachers, now this next part, makes me think maybe we should get rid of our money and we'd be more like John and Peter because they reach down to his hand and grab him by the hand and they say, we don't have any money, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, what? Get up! Walk! They did just what Jesus had done a few weeks earlier. And so this guy gets up and walked. What do you think happens? They get in trouble. And in uh, Acts chapter 4, got excited and lost the page. Uh, In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are put in jail, and the next day they're taken out of jail, and the religious leaders call them to the fore and ask them why they had done what they did. And here's what Peter says in Acts 4, 8, and 9. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, they were, weren't they? Kindness to a lame man and are being asked to say how he was healed, know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Again, an act of kindness, and it costs them. And so as you begin to change, as you become whole, as you become the person God wants you to be, life may get tougher. There are some people that would prefer to see you sick. Do you realize that? 
there are people who would prefer to see you not well. And I'm not talking about a physical sickness here necessarily. I'm talking about the kind of healing God does in our complete lives, body, soul, and spirit. You realize? Now, I was thinking in this message of a young woman who came to faith in Christ in our church in Chicago, first church I was in. And uh, this family was worshiping, and we had this, you know, invite your friends. Well, they invited their sister and brother-in-law. The sister-in-law's name was Anita. And Anita came to church. She accepted Christ as her Savior. She was baptized. And Anita and her husband, Terry, were kind of classic Chicago people. Working-class people, they spent every Friday night where? At the bar. Every Saturday night where? At the bar. Every Sunday night where? At the bar. They loved the bar. And so they were there drinking all the time. Well, as Anita came to faith in Christ and began to grow in Christ, guess what? She'd rather go to church than the bar. Guess what? Terry didn't like that, so he divorced her. Now, that's another example of this reality that uh, wellness creates conflict in our lives. It creates problems in our lives. And as you have become more and more whole, you may have these stresses and conflicts. Um, again, no good deed goes unpunished. Doing good became bad here in this story because of religious rules. Following Jesus will create tension and conflict in your life. Now, one last comment here. Wellness is centered in Christ. We get well by coming to Jesus. His mission in life is to heal us, body, soul, and spirit, to make us well. In verse 14, the end of the story, the man is asked, who made you well? It's interesting, isn't it? He had no idea who Jesus was. It was not his faith that made him well. So if somebody says to you, you know, you're sick, but if you'd have enough faith, you could get well, that may be their idea. It's not the Bible's idea. This guy didn't even know who Jesus was, and he got well. And Jesus comes back to him and makes a very interesting comment. He says, see, you are well again. It's the word soundness, whole. The therapy's working. You're doing well. And then he says, stop sinning or something worse can happen to you. God's done a good thing in your life. Don't slide back now, lest God, done, lest something worse happen in your life. So he challenged him. When Peter was standing before these religious leaders after he'd gotten out of prison, they said, you know, how did this happen? And Peter went on to say, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name given under heaven by which you must be saved. Who can make us well? It's Jesus. As we come to Christ, he works in our lives. Now, this man got up and walked instantly. Does that mean that you instantly get well and from that day on you're just completely well? Or does it take a long time? It takes a long time. We don't have the time today to go into the theology of sanctification, of getting well. But if we did, we'd realize this man did get well instantly. He could walk, but, and he got saved. But it doesn't mean that there were no other problems in his life because God was working. In fact, Jesus warned him, don't go back to your old ways. You're going to lose your wellness. And even as Sarah said, God is still working in my life, and I'm still learning some things that I need to learn. So God's project in us goes from now until we meet Jesus in heaven. So I want to, I want to challenge you today. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you realize that that's what this is all about? That's what church is all about. It's about getting well. It's about being whole and continuing to grow day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, 
to grow more and more image, into the image of Jesus Christ in his likeness. That's what wellness is all about. Do you want to be made well? In the book of James, in the last chapter, James lists a number of things going on in people's lives, and he says you need to pray. In fact, he says you need to have the leaders of the church anoint you with oil and pray for you that you might be made well. And this morning, I know that there are lots of things that that touch our lives, Um, things that represent our brokenness, greed, for example, selfishness. I was amazed more than once when I've talked to Sarah, and I'll mention this because she mentioned it in the video. She said, well, I'm so selfish. And I thought, my goodness, Sarah, sitting in this bed, how can you possibly be selfish? But she sees God working in that area of her life. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe there's some addiction in your life that you're addicted to food or alcohol or drugs or gossiping or hurting other people or pornography. Maybe there's some addiction in your life and you realize, I'm not well. Because the back of this addiction is not broken yet. I'm not whole. This morning, we're going to ask you to come forward and be prayed for. Uh, Jennifer and myself and Eddie are going to be here to anoint you with oil and just pray a simple prayer of healing. And as Mike and the group come to lead us this morning, uh, I'm going to ask you to have the courage to come forward and, and ask for prayer. We're going to take this time to just set aside a time to pray and do what the Bible says to do, to pray that God helps us to become well. So, Michael, if you'll come back up and uh, would you stand with me and we're going to begin singing in just a moment and then as the Lord touches your heart I'm going to ask you to come forward and and we'll pray a brief prayer for you asking God to make us whole and make us well please stand and let me pray now Lord thank you for your word thank you for this message for capturing this story of the man touched by Jesus the man who needed to be made well and I ask you in the strong name of Christ that you bless us now as we pray for you. We pray that we may go forth healed and whole in the name of Jesus. Amen.